0: Matthew chapter 12, we're talking about fatal talk. This would be the third under the heading of fatal talk. Things fatal. Fatal departure from the faith, fatal attitudes, fatal talk. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 37. For by thy words thou shalt be justified... And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. While it has never occurred to the church that what we say is a big deal unless we use profanity or vile talk of some sort, on the contrary, it does matter what you say, does matter what you confess. It really does. Somebody is listening to what we say at all times. So important that Jesus here plainly said, by the words that you choose to use in your life, whether describing something or your opinion about something, your words will either justify you with whom? Who are we justified by? Somebody say the Lord. So our words will either be approved of by God, and therefore he will agree with us, or else our words will be in opposition to what he said. They cannot help us, but they will condemn us. That's where the word fatal would come from. The words that condemn you, the words that do not have any blessing in them, they actually do you no good. In fact, they can condemn you. Jesus said, by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you're condemned. There's much in the Bible about it. We'll quote some more after a while. You can be snared by the words of your mouth that death or life is in the power of the tongue we use James 3 as a text the last couple of weeks and he said the tongue is what we use to worship and praise God and to say all the nice and proper things to God about how we feel and express ourselves and the same tongue can curse people who get in our way or are too slow or who offend us and he said it's like a fountain that has both bitter water and sweet water coming out of it, he said this should not be and yet it's so common and it happens so much and so many people do it we don't even bother ourselves with whether or not it's that big a deal I mean who is perfect nobody can order his tongue or order his speech aright didn't the bible say your tongue is an unruly evil it doesn't have to be it's not evil when you're worshiping God It doesn't embitter God when you worship him or sing songs of praise to him. That's not bitter. That's not evil. But when you wag it in opposition to him, it's evil. And again, somebody's listening. Now, I don't know how much people know about this or how much of this they even understand or want to understand, but you've got to realize that your words are being recorded. Somebody's listening at all times. The Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Accuses us on the basis of what? Well, you could start with words. Because we know what God has said. That is, a little bit of it anyway, through the years we've learned a little bit. We have a Bible, and we can read, and God has said a whole lot of things here. And he's warned us about our words. Either we agree with God and say things that he's given us to be truth and we say that or we ignore what he has said and we speak our minds, or we speak our opinions, which is not in agreement with the Lord. And you know people do that. happens all the time. And people have no regard. Most people have no regard for what they say because if you say what God says all the time, people will quit hanging around you because you're weird. You know, all you can do is quote the Bible, they say man told me that years ago. Can't you say anything but the Bible? Can we have a normal conversation? And I said, well, of course we can. But when it comes to matters of decision, it comes to matters of the course of my life, or you're asking me what is right or wrong, or why am I saying this, or why did I do that, the basis for it, as much as I can understand it, is the Bible. And the Word of God says, and I quote the Bible. And he was offended by that because I wouldn't just talk without the Bible I try to explain to him when you begin hiding the word in your heart when you truly begin to abide in him and his word truly begins to abide in you it's a living word it's not a dead word you have to hunt for it's a living thing when it's there it's living it's the answer you give when you're asked about an answer what are you going to do about this well the word says when the devil said to Jesus well turn these stones and do this and throw yourself down from the temple Jesus didn't try to say well I don't have to do that because of who I am he said it is written he himself as an example for us to follow in his steps he quoted the bible and there was nothing the devil could do when you speak the words of God that's the one thing that God said he watches over to perform. If you know that, you want to keep yourself on God's side and say what he says, which is what the word confess in the Bible, profess or confess, means. It means to say the same thing, homo logia, To say, homo, same, and logia or logos, word, same word, to say the same thing. If we're wise people, that's what we do. We learn that God who watches over his word defends us on the basis of that word. And when our words are the words of God and they're in our heart, then our words confirm what God has said, and that's what he uses to set us free. It becomes a sword. It's as a weapon in our hands. If God says we are 8,000 promises, if God says we are, we can, and we shall, and we go around saying I can't and it won't, then we're denying, in a sense, we're denying the truth and the power of what He said because we don't believe it'll happen. Therefore, we say it probably won't happen. And so many people do that. Good church folks do it. They don't just fall dead and get sick and go broke or something runs over them, they don't just get judged. So we just keep doing it. They do. But when it's living, and when it's abiding, and when the words of God are not just Sunday mornings, Wednesday night, teaching stuff, preaching stuff, but they become words of life. They become like a two-edged sword doesn't matter how you feel about something, how emotional you are about something, how angry you are about something or whatever. Before you open your mouth, that word like a living thing comes up, sticks the needle in your brain. Let's call it your mind. And it reminds you that the right answer in this situation is, and you speak it. And that's what God uses to defend. We have a mediator with God why would he be a mediator he did his work on the cross he died was raised from the dead but he says he stands between us and God for what purpose remember last week looked in Hebrews 3 and I think verse 13 we have to consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our profession somebody's listening The apostle and high priest. All those Old Testament folks, it's a type. The Old Testament people, when it came time to offer a sacrifice, they had to bring it to where the priests were in the courtyard. They had to wait their turn. They came in the courtyard, and many, many priests, and they would come up and what's the sin or what's the problem, and they would confess to the priest. Well, we have in the New Testament, we have... An apostle, one who is sent, and high priest, one who stands before God of what we say. And if we speak the words that he gives us to say, words that are the words of God, that words that honor him, he defends us. We give no place to the devil. The words we hide in our heart are the words we speak in our mouth. And you go in Christian bookstores, you'll find people trying their very best to make something occult Or wrong Out of right confessions Now I do believe a lot of people think If they can say something long enough Maybe they'll get it Well that's an exercise in futility That's mental gymnastics It doesn't work that way But when the word is living and abiding in your heart It's a living thing When it's abiding You're not trying to think of something to say It's just a natural thing to say your faith becomes unconscious of itself. You become a faith person. You become a knowledgeable person, not because you're playing games with your mind all the time. It's just a living thing. It's there. And you speak it because it is there. Old things have passed away and all things are becoming new, including your words (laughs) and your vocabulary. Now, we said there's two things about a fatal tongue. It's fatal when it gossips, when it repeats matters and whispers and slanders and backbites. I, what a hard thing that is to stop doing and to overcome. And the secondly is doubt talk. Doubt and unbelief, what I've been speaking of here. When we talk faith, folks, we're talking the things that we believe that the Word of God confirms. We're saying what God said because it's what He said. Here's how it works. Remember 2 Corinthians four thirteen. We therefore believe, we also speak. We hear it, we believe it, it connects, therefore we speak it. That's the way it works. We have heard, we have believed, therefore we speak. We speak what? We speak what the Bible says. I could have told you 45 years ago that I never expect to be healed, never expect to be well. Been sick my whole life. All my years of growing up, just a snotty-nosed, skinny boy my whole life. And I learned to be sick. I accepted sickness as a way of life. Talked sick, thought sick, planned on sick. People do that as common in America. They buy health insurance. They buy all kinds of Sick things because they are ingrained and trained by the world to think like that. You will get sick. You were born in a hospital. Chances are you'll die in one. And I don't care what you want to believe, in the meantime, this is the way it works. It's such a strong thing that people have. And yet, when the Lord saved me, and I began to hear these things, I thought they were the strangest things I'd ever heard. I thought it was a lie. How could you say... By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed when my body testifies against it. And then I've learned, your body says you are not, and God says you are. What does your mouth say? Who do you agree with? Do you agree with your body, the natural? You feel your pain. Or do you agree with God? He said, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed, even though there's no evidence in your body that you're healed. Now, are you or not? Well, in the sense of manifestation, obviously not. But in the sense of believing, which is a spiritual matter. Are you what he says or not? Amen. Because you see, 1 John 5 says, if he said something is true and you say it probably isn't true, you're calling God a liar. Right. You're doubting what he said to be true because you say with your mouth, I don't believe that. The swine flu's coming. You know, there's four or five of you going to get it. Well, I would say I won't. I don't receive that. You know why? Because something on the inside is living. I don't have to go read my Bible and get into the concordance and hunt up a verse. It's been 40 years of this, just feeding on it, talking about it year after year, month after month, week after thousands of times. It's become me. I'm as normal as any of you are and as natural as you are, but I have learned some things. See, out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, "The mouth speaks." I confess with my mouth what my heart is saying. I will surely catch it. It won't work. Scared the death out of me. I thought I'd die. This child is uh, rotten to the core. I can't do nothing with him or her. Oh, he drives me up a wall. That's what you believe. Hold your hand up and you stand. Say, "I believe in the name of Jesus." This child is rotten. In the name of Jesus, I should have never married her. She drives me up a wall. That's what you believe. I don't care where you go to church. I don't care who you sit under. That's what you believe. Jesus said it. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. You can say, Oh, I'm I'm not supposed to say that. Uh, Let me see. What is it I'm supposed to say? It's not faith. You can confess what the Bible says. You can confess the word, say what it says, and repeat it five times a day. I confess in the name of Jesus, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm here. Say it all day long if you want to. If you're not convinced in your heart that you are, it's not faith. It's a confession of hope. I hope it works. Maybe if I keep saying it, it'll work. Turn to 2 Timothy 3 and 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Is that why we're here? I hope we're here for that reason. I hope, I surely pray that we're learning something. Continue thou in the things which you have learned and become assured. The word assured is pistuo, the same word from which we get faith or having faith. Continue in the things you have learned and that you are convinced of and certain of and sure of if you're not sure of it and convinced of it but you keep confessing let me say it again it's really not faith at all it's a hopeless confession because you don't believe it some folks say well by the stripes of Jesus I am healed and you go to their house and you'll find all kinds of remedies and medicines you think well if you're healed what's that for well you know no I don't really know see you're saying one thing and eventually you're saying well if it push comes to shove I might need this well you just said you were now you're saying you might not be and just in case you got this and you're leaving God in it and out of it now a message like this can get real quiet because it's so easy for us to say the right thing and yet never believe it Never live like it's true. I know a lady came back and one of the first faith meetings she ever went to, first time we ever sat in a building where a faith teacher was actually talking, living color, and went home that night and took my son David's antihistamine. Well, I kind of give her away. Caught her near the sink, pouring her stuff down the drain. Man, we paid 3 or $4 a bottle for that stuff, and that was pretty good back then. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, we don't need it anymore. Okay. That's what the guy said tonight, right? Yeah. Okay. So we better get on this. Two of us have to agree. So next thing you know, we didn't. That was 40 some years ago. That's a long time ago. I hope you listen because it really does work. It is a testimony. It's not a boast for me except in the Lord. Because if I'd been God, I would have stranded me more than once. Many times, folks, I believe I got healed or was brought through a difficult time, not because I did everything right, but what I preached. God was gracious to me, and as far as I'm concerned, He brought me through, not because I deserved it. Somebody had to be praying for me, because I think I dropped the ball more than once. Then I would sense on the inside, when you go to testify about this trial, please don't tell them how bad you were, how tough you were. Just say, I want to thank the Lord for His healing mercies and then sit down instead said, saying I going to tell you all something man the devil came in my house and I drew my sword and said alright bud and God would say you didn't do that at all in fact you were about to point of tears you big cry baby and he was faithful Hallelujah. he was faithful anyway and I'm thankful for all of that a doubter says I know God could I know God is able. I'm just not convinced he'll do it for me. When I say a doubter, I'm talking about a lot of people here. I was there once, and there might be some areas in my life I'm still wrestling with. But that's why we're here, to learn, aren't we? We can't be assured of anything unless we first learn something. Didn't God supply something to teach us with? He hath put in the church first apostles, secondly, prophets, and thirdly, evangelists, and then pastors and teachers. Why? How can our minds, which has controlled our words so many years, how can our mind ever be renewed unless somebody gives us some right information? Most people won't just study on their own. They had to be prompted. They had to be some conviction there. Something goes off on the inside. I need to know more about that. So they begin to study. And they begin to study. And God says, you see, this is the way I'm going to change you from your worldly ways and your worldly attitudes into the Christian world and the Christian attitude. I want you fashioned like the world. I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind. The thing that determines what you actually say. Your heart may say, tell them I'm a healer. Yeah, but what would everybody think? So you're concerned more about what people say than what God says, so you say something else. We have to be changed. God deals with us. He's long-suffering. But God is good to us, and he really does care about us. So a doubter can quote the Bible, and he can keep confessing the Bible. He can do all that without actually being a believer. Now, I finished last week saying we need, as Christians in, to develop, everybody that comes to Christ needs to develop a vocabulary of faith. The only way we can please God, isn't that still in the Bible? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if faith has to do with words also, as well as actions... We need to listen to a whole lot of what he's saying so that we can do the right things with our life. I want God to say at the end of my life, I want him to say at the end of your life, well done, thou good and religious soul. Does it still say faithful? Did you hear what he said? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithful to what? The Word. That's where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God Romans 10 so we have to develop a vocabulary of faith again the Bible says we are snared by the words of our mouth I don't want to be snared I really don't I want to be freed by the words of my mouth Proverbs 18 21 says death or life is in the power of the tongue death or life can we speak death death if we can speak death, then there is a fatal aspect to the tongue. That's right. How many parents have spoken death to their children? You're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. You're disgusting. I remember one time a parent calling a child a scumbag. I think, boy, that's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. child should never hear from their parents that that's how they feel about them because that's what they believe. They just said it. Something's lacking in that person's life. There really is. Our text says that by our words we're justified and by our words that we're condemned. And how many times does the Bible say, whosoever shall say to this mountain, whosoever shall say to this tree, be taken up or be cast into the sea. How many times does it say that? What things ever you desire when you pray well praying is saying you don't pray with your mouth shut and murmur you talk if you can talk God knows if you can't he hears you then too but it's what we say let's get this vocabulary of faith down Pat because it's not easy turn to Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 5 it's not easy to do all of this but God didn't say it was easy doesn't have to be easy. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Canticles or Song of Solomon, then Isaiah. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Now there's some wisdom here. Listen carefully. Verse 1, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and you are upon the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Mm. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. If you're going to get married in here, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. I don't care if he didn't, you do it. Or if she didn't, you hold on. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that you should not vow, and you should vow and not pay. And then verse 6 begins with, Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Is it possible to say something with my mouth that becomes sin in my life? Obviously. Obviously. Now, you notice the first thing I want to mention here tonight in verse 3 about a multitude of words. This is point one. There's only three of them tonight. First point is to develop a vocabulary of faith, you've got to learn the secret of silence. Or if that's too much to write, just put be still or be quiet. Learn to be quiet. That's what he taught here, isn't it? That's what he said here. Keep thy foot when you go into the house of God, be more ready to hear than to speak. Or verse two, be not rash with thy mouth. Don't be hasty to utter anything before God. Verse three a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. He just keeps on talking, and he keeps on talking, and he keeps on talking. And you know how easy it is for us in this business world. You're an owner of a business, or you're working somewhere. You're working around other people, or I was a school teacher around other teachers, and, or you're around the sales world, all different kinds of people from all different walks of life. And you're always involved, especially if you're a salesperson. You're always involved in some kind of conversation that is people who want to know you trying to find out some things about you they ask various questions about you some ask pretty personal questions and some just general questions what do you think about the world's economy what do you think about the swine flu that's going around what about all this bailout money and all these gillions? they might as well trade trillions for gillions septillions whatever's next what about all this money that's being spent and the possibility they're going to raise taxes and this isn't going to work and and what about iran you know they're going to bomb the world now we're going to have trouble with that and what about all of the sleeper cells in america well all these iranians you know they're invading every country in this world they'll, they'll accept them they're getting in little groups all over the world Taken over Europe, Sweden. What do you think about all We're invited to give our opinions and talk about these things. And it's not like you can't. You can't say, well, if I can't quote the Bible, I can't answer you. Because there would be no worldly wisdom about that at all. The Bible said, be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. We have to have the kind of personality, if you're in a world of sales, you've got to have the kind of personality that disarms people from thinking that you're strange. Unless they ask you about what you believe, and then you tell them what you believe. Nothing strange about that. But it's just a general conversation. You really don't have to just keep running your mouth about that. Sometimes you could just say, well, you know, I don't know what they say about this flu or about Iran or about the political situation and the next move of Congress and and this new judge on the court, and I don't know if we're going to have to give up our guns now because she's going to take them away. I don't know what they're going to do. Then I would probably say this. I'm really not concerned about it, and because everybody else is, because people are always talking. Why would you not be so concerned about it? Now, here's a chance. Very quietly, gently say, well, I've learned to commit all of these things to the Lord. It's usually a pause. And they say, oh, well, you're a churchgoer. Well, I do go to church, yeah, yeah. Now, about this business that we're doing here. You see, I don't want to cast any more out than I have to. If there's interest, the person shows interest in wanting to know what I believe and I think he's sincere and not just trying to arm himself with something he can use that I said to come against me. Remember Jesus said, don't cast your probe before the swine lest they turn on you and attack you with it or mock you. Oh, yeah, I trust the Lord. (laughs) Just be careful who you talk to. Just learn to be quiet. Don't say any more than you have to health care, food scares, who can't eat this, can't eat that. Understand this. We may want to impress people with how intelligent we are, and you might be. You might be really intelligent. You might be a very adept, witty person. You might want somebody to know all that, but I promise you this, if you keep talking, you'll sin. Because somewhere in there, you're going to run into God and what He has said because pretty soon the conversation would become I I think well I'll tell you what I believe and that's when heaven leans low and says now I heard you in church say what you believe now that you're out here in this world what do you believe and the devil Devil takes his mic when you start talking that way and he sticks in yeah I want to get this on tape here what is it you believe he's listening isn't he the accuser of your brethren well you can't see him so you don't be too concerned about it but he's listening Everything we say. There is nothing we say that isn't heard. I don't think God needs a tape recorder to record all of this because he can remember, in fact, every idle word that man speaks, he shall give an account of. So God remembers even your idle, useless, vain aside words. The little joking words, the little under your breath words, they're all recorded. They are words that will either make you right with God or they will condemn you. And the less you say, look in Proverbs 10. Keep your finger wherever you are in Ecclesiastes, but look in Proverbs 10. Whatever you say, you've got to remember somebody's listening. Somebody is listening. Verse 19, In the multitude of words there lacketh not sin. Does it say that? In the multitude of words. You keep talking. Tell me how great you are. And how good you are. And how smooth you are. And keep exalting yourself. And you will sin. You will sin. You'll mess up. Because you talk too much. You will. Not only does it say in the multitude of words there will be sin. But it also ends that verse by saying. But he that refraineth. Is that in there? But he that refraineth his lips. It's not going to make a sale. (laughs) Not going to be popular. You'll never be elected. Say that he that refraineth his lips, it means to hold back. You don't need to tell everything you know. You don't need to divulge to somebody who wouldn't appreciate what you believe. You don't need to tell all these people everything you believe. You need to learn to be quiet and stay out of things that you don't need to be involved in. Just leave them alone. We just feel like we have to answer somebody and talk to somebody all the time. I remember approaching one time at a big conference, a very well-known speaker, and he was standing out at the tape table with his tapes. This was back in the early 70s. Remember standing there like a hear twirl his thumbs, right there by his tapes. We would up and say, Hey, brother so and so, how you doing? Fine, just fine. And he kept talking. Finally he got he just walked off. Walked away. Now, in my country way, well, you know, everybody's supposed to say, Hey buddy, how you doing? That's the way I grew up. Hey, what's going on? But he wasn't one to engage in any kind of conversation. His words were very, very few. Now, later on, I actually got to know this fellow a little bit and actually got to talk to him, and I found that in private, he would volunteer a lot of, you know, how are you doing, and he would talk, but he wouldn't just sit there and talk, wouldn't just sit there and count a conversation about the latest going on in the world. He wouldn't do it. I think perhaps that was wisdom. I heard the same man say once, he said, a man that prays a lot doesn't talk much. And I thought, man, I need to get on my knees because my mouth runs from morning to night. I can't prove that that's true. But that's what he said, and maybe that was the reason he didn't have a lot of just off-the-cuff things to say. But learn to be quiet. Stay out of conversations you don't have to get in. I mean, sometimes they're real juicy. People sometimes get in talking about hunting and about... Guns and things And I know a little bit about that And boy I hear them over there talking I want to get over there by that table And say let me tell y'all some stuff about this And wisdom says You just leave it alone You stay out of that Because next thing you know You're going to hear four letter words And you're going to hear cussing And because you're talking about the same thing they like You must be like them and you're giving them the impression That because you're a person that likes to fool with guns That you are also a person who likes to cuss and drink And, and act like a fool as said back in Ecclesiastes 5, a fool's voice, a fool's voice is known by the multitude of his words. The second thing to develop this vocabulary of faith is learn, learn to say what God says. Turn to Psalms 41. To say what God says. Now, we were talking a while ago about the conversation about with the world and the worldly crowd and, and the social places where we work, the lunchroom or the cafeteria or out on the street or wherever, in the shop. And the subject comes up about, oh, well, the swine flu or the breakdown of the economy, the bailout and all the money there. What about health care? And I don't know much about health care except I know that it's going to cost a lot of money And you're going to wind up paying for it at the expense of some other things in your life, if it's even passed. I don't like to get into political stuff much, because I don't have any business putting that kind of stuff in my mind. 80% of the people who are insured are quite happy with what they have, and the percentage of those who aren't is much smaller than what you're hearing. If you try to change the whole thing around, it's just not good. I don't know how you would do it either. That's not my job. My job is the kingdom of God and not the kingdoms of this world. Amen. But when those subjects do come up, if the word of the Lord is abiding inside of you, your quick prayer is well, God, what do you say about these things? For example, I'll ask you, and I'll say it with a little illustration of a story. A lady visited a friend of mine who was pastored once. She's having marriage problems. And it was a legitimate marriage problem that she was having. So she came to see her pastor one morning. She said, I need to talk to you, pastor. He said, come on over. He knew about her situation. And she came in and she looked right and normal and nice and, you know, all fixed up for a good cry. She came into his office and he said, now before you tell me what your problem is, before we start talking about this, give me three verses of Scripture that have to do with it. He said she looked at him, and then she looked around, and her brain was racing. I mean, it was like NASCAR going around and around in her mind trying to find something that she had heard before. She had heard all of this before, but nothing ever stuck because it was no big deal. Now, the one thing she needed to stand on was what God said, but it wasn't in there. Sure, she heard it. Of course she heard it. It was preached in this church. Of course it was. That doesn't mean you get it. That doesn't mean you even want it. It just means you heard it. The one thing that God sent to set a man free, you shall know the truth. And what does it do? Truth will make you free. You remember that? Amen. Now, if you don't have the truth inside of you, listen to me. This is practical. If the truth is not abiding inside of you, it's not a living thing. You tell me what in the world then God is going to use in your life to make you free, to unbind you. Of course, he came to set the captives free. Of course, he came to loose us from the bondage of the strong man. But what does he use to do it? He uses the word. If you don't have it inside of you, what then can you give him on your behalf to deliver you? You don't have it. And you can go say, well, let me go find something in the Bible here. Uh, uh, pastor, uh, or mama, daddy, somebody. Can you got any verses of scripture about marriage? It won't work for you. Because you don't believe it. You're saying the right thing. You just, you're not convinced of it. You weren't convinced of it when you heard it. That's why you didn't hold on to it. You didn't need it. Oh, I don't know about that. And so you just left it aside. You treated it like it was just... Seed sown on hard soil and went your own way. Now comes a time in your life when the one thing God is going to use. Oh, what's that verse? Somebody's got to help me with this verse. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, he said, I will hasten, or mean Hebrew means I'm sleepless, watching over. I watch over my word to perform it. Well, what if you don't have it? What if you don't have it? What do you do with it? What do you do? You go to a psychiatrist. You go to some professional counselor who uses psychiatry on you. And he makes you think you're all right and you're nothing better. But you think you're all right. Because it's a mental game. It's a psychosomatic thing. It's all in your mind. You get a picture of yourself the way you want to be. And it has nothing to do with God. But the one thing that God has given makes us all equal here. We're all equal when it comes to this. God has sent His Word to do His purpose with. Go to Isaiah 55. Stop off at chapter 5. There's a good place to eat at chapter 5. A good restaurant there in chapter 5 on 13th Street. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 13. He said, My people are gone into captivity. Why? Of what? They've been to school. They went to university. Some of them wrote books. What do you mean they have no knowledge? Ask them a question, see how much they know. That kind of knowledge is not what he's talking about. My people are gone into captivity because they don't know my word. Now, Isaiah 55, verse 11, so shall my word be. What word? What word? His word. Did he say my word? I like this. I really do. I want you to like it too. So shall my word be that goes forth out of the preacher's mouth. Out of his mouth. It isn't my word, it's his word. It shall not come back to me. How do you get it back up there? How do you get the word from out of his mouth? He sent it to the earth. How do you get it from the earth back to him? With your mouth. You speak the words. God hears from heaven, doesn't he? What does he hear? He hears what you're saying. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall do two things. And you should know this by heart. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Now, if we're hiding this word, if we're learning to say what God says, and God says... He has sent His Word to accomplish what He wants it to accomplish. And I read in His Word, oh, Psalm 34, 30, Psalm 91, I I begin to read in His Word all these things that He has said, can I not assume that those are the things He wants to do? Or are they just suggestions? Lofty verses, we ought to write songs about them and sing them, but we can never depend on them because He may not want to. Somebody's lied to us. Somebody's lied to us and our parents and our generations before us. It took all the hope out of us. It took the hope out of our parents. They sat in lovely little churches with kind preachers who talked them out of this. They said, yes, God said it, but we know that he might not. And then they begin to point to all the examples of people they knew in their life that didn't get these things in here as though that verifies whether or not it works. Nobody ever told them it would work. Nobody told my parents that they could be healed. Nobody told them that. They never had that hope. Nobody told their parents My daddy, being a Catholic, never heard a thing in his whole life because they talked in tongues in the Catholic church. They call it Latin. So he never knew what they were talking about. He didn't know. didn't really matter. You go to confession and the priest says you're all right and you're all right as far as all these promises are concerned. He may not want to. That's what a man believes. You grow old like that. You never put any emphasis on the Word of God. You never read your Bible to learn what it says because it didn't really matter what it said. It might not work anyway. Why would you get all your hopes up by saying, Well, here's a verse in Psalms 41 and verse 3. All because you consider the poor. you willing to help poor people. Listen to this. If you are, God will deliver you in time of trouble. That's one. The Lord will preserve him. That is, he will preserve you and keep you alive. And he'll make sure that you're blessed upon this earth and that he will not deliver you into the will of your enemies. And the Lord will do something in verse 3. He will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. You ever been there? I hope you're not, but I've been there. Thou wilt make most of his bed I will make all of his bed in his sickness. Hallelujah. He'll raise him up. Amen. Now, let me ask you a question. Did he send his word to do that? Amen. Isaiah 55, 11. It shall not return void. It shall prosper in the thing whereto he sent it. Did he send it to do that? Did he send it to preserve you? Well, it doesn't just work because you read it, because you've got to meet the conditions, don't you? That's another sermon. The conditions are to consider the poor. To take of your resources that God has blessed you with and see if you can't help some people that don't have anything because you want to. And God said he will make up all your bed in sickness. So can I say with my mouth, if I really care about the poor and I support them, and I do, that he will make all my bed in sickness. If there's ever any sickness, he will make it and I'll be raised up off of it. Or is that wishful thinking? You see, i got a choice to make. I choose with my will. I choose to say what God said. God said He would do something. He said He would preserve me, didn't He? That I don't have to worry about insurance, life insurance, if He's going to preserve me. I say with my mouth, God will preserve me. I don't need something from man in case God doesn't. How about Psalm 91? With long life in Clause 16, my assurance policy. Clause 16 says, with long life will I satisfy Him. So what do we say? Well, I don't know. You know, you might, you never know when your day's up and you might not. No, 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 no. What do I say? I said what everybody else says. I'm talking like the world which believes nothing says. But now I've been given something to believe. God says what he says. And so I say, I want to put myself in agreement with the Lord. So I say, I say, with long life, Bonnie and I will be satisfied. And God will show us his salvation. His plan to bless us on this earth. His saving ways, rescue us, heal us, soundness, strength, overcome. He will not only heal us, but He will show us His salvation. So I say with my mouth, in the midst of people who think I'm crazy, I don't need all that other stuff because God will show us His salvation and He'll take care of us. He will deliver us from all of our fears and all of our dangers and from the will of the enemy in Psalm 41. Didn't He say that? People look at you like, where are you coming from? And they go to church. Somewhere. They've been talked out of that or they've never heard it. Either they've heard it or they've heard it and been talked out of it or they've never heard it. And what good is anything that God has ever said if we don't put it in our heart? Only what is in our heart is God going to use to deliver us or to fix us or to make it the way he said he would make it. Got to have His Word. You got to hide His Word in our heart. We have to learn what the Word says. Some situations it's awkward to quote the Word. I'll agree with you. People are talking about the swine. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to get my shot. In fact, I'm going to get one in both arms. I want to make sure I got a double barrel load of this. What are you going to do, Hamilton? I'm going to trust the Lord. Yeah, the way they talk. You're going to do what? I'm going to trust the Lord. Well, that's crazy. Well, I don't know if you think it is or not. You might, but for me and my house, and if they don't want to do it, I will. I'm going to trust the Lord. I have a pill that we take. My wife and I, we have a little pill. It's called the Gospel. And you take this Gospel, it's habit forming, therefore, it's addictive, and you get hooked. And because you get hooked, you've got to have more of it. It wears away pretty quick, and so you're always needing something. And so you've got to find a place where you can get you another fix. So you've got to keep this, whatever this is, that makes you feel I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. You've got to have that coming into your life. Because it's bringing you confidence and assurance for the first time in your natural life. You're not scared of stuff. You're not scared of something out there that's, I'm going to get you. You're not scared of it anymore. Why? Because greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Why wouldn't I say that? That's what God said. When I say what he said, God and I are in agreement. If I believe it in my heart, he will perform it. I mean, even in the crowd, whenever you really aren't convinced the word will work, I'd still rather hear you say what God said, even though you're wrestling with that, than to say, well, I don't know. How many times have people come to church and say, well, I'm tired tonight. Mm. Well, I'm worried. I hope he doesn't preach along tonight, because boy, I don't I can't I can't take too much of that tonight. <laughs> if I get this all right, y'all say amen. <laughs> well, somebody'll block me again tonight in the parking lot. I'm sure when I get out of church, I'll be blocked and have to wait for that loud mouth to quit talking, so they'll come out here and let me out of this parking lot. Why does she always sit behind me with that kid? That kid cries every time I go to church. They, I, they whisper and talk, eat popcorn behind me. I can't do nothing, right? You know what people say. Let me ask you all a question. Is that really what you believe? Is that really what you believe? Is that really after all these years and all this time, is this where we are? I've had people come to me in recent years, recent times here, and tell about a conversation they had with somebody. I don't know who it was. I don't even want to know. And somebody was saying, you need to get a certain kind of a drug, and there's a certain kind of procedure you could get, and you ought to go do that. If that's what you believe, you should. I mean, I'm serious. If that's what you believe, if that's where your faith is, do that. But God has something better. I like to think that we're making the switch over here as all these years as we keep saying the word and talking about the word that God is going to bring this thing into our heart. I don't want to talk like that around my friend. You know, I get around. You don't understand where I go to school or who I'm around or where I work. Man, time out. Who are your friends? Tell me, you all, that the people you hang around are people that you can talk to about Jesus. I know what it's like in the world. I know at the school and all. I know about that. I've been there. I've been there as a teacher. I never was as a student. I learned to measure my words very, very carefully. I've sat on many, many, too many airplane trips, flying somewhere in this world. I used to have a ring for my finger got fat. You can laugh. I had a wedding band that had Jesus as Lord engraved in it. See, it wasn't my finger. I had it just got crooked, and I couldn't get the ring on there anymore. But that ring became a conversation piece. I still remember the time. A lady sent me on a plane, I'm all buckled up, and I'm picking up something. And somehow she said, I see that ring on your finger has something about the Lord. I said, yeah. It says, Jesus is Lord. Yes, ma'am. She said, are you a Christian? I said, I am. I sure am. And I'm thinking, on the inside of me, I'm thinking, don't ask me any more questions. I do not want to talk. Because you can get into a conversation. Oh, you're a Christian. What do you believe? And you, in fact, you're fixing to have one miserable flight somewhere because, as she did, she said, what do you believe? And I said, the Bible. The Bible, you're like a country bumpkin. The Bible. I know better to act like that. But, you know, I just said, I believe what the Bible says is best I understand. And, you know, I, this, that, thus and so. Then she said, I noticed you didn't say anything about communion or baptism. And I thought, Church of Christ. <laughs> I thought, oh, man, because this is going to get bad before I get there. I said, well, ma'am, we just met, and I haven't told you everything I believe. I'm just trying to... <laughs> I did. I said, I'm just telling you, I grew up in a Christian church, and we take communion every Sunday. We did. I didn't tell her I didn't do it that way now. I believe in communion, of course, and water baptism, but it wasn't a religious fetish with me. She kept drilling me about these questions. I wanted to say, would you quit talking to me? Because I knew that in the multitude of words I'm going to say something to her like Ma'am, I really don't even care If you don't agree with me I mean, you don't even know how much I don't care if you agree with me I could care less So I learned after a few of those little things To try to set up front at the bulkhead In the middle at the aisle seat Against the front wall So you can stretch out for one thing And so when the plane stops You can get off of it real quick But there's just times that you just don't say much. And there's times you're around people that wouldn't understand, and so you don't say too much. But when you're put on the line, you just tell them, look, I'm a Christian. In fact, I would encourage all of you, wherever you are, whoever you're around, to make sure everybody knows that you're a Christian. Sometimes you can just say, well, I wouldn't want to do that. I don't think the Lord would be happy with me being a Christian doing that. That's not offensive. You know, did you see that girl? Well, hey, baby, did you see her? Look at her. I say, well, I don't think a Christian ought to do that. Were well, you, religious? Well, I'm a Christian. Now, from that point on, most people will watch their words around you unless they're really vile. Or maybe God will use them to sharpen you a little bit and refine you. But when the Word of God is in your heart and subjects come up, You begin to say, well, the Bible says. Well, the Word of God says. A third thing is that speak only that which edifies. Ephesians 4.29. Speak as a vocabulary of faith. Speak only what edifies. Well, we need some work here, don't we? Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Ephesians four. In verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your wife's mouth. (laughs) Watch out now. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. It is best that we refrain. Now, I'm talking to you as someone who needs to practice what I'm saying because I grew up talking wrong. I, did, I grew up that way. Being a basketball coach, you learn to be critical. Scouting reports, the other team, you learn to criticize people, use bad psychology on your bad players to make them think they're better than the good players. It was just the way I grew up. And so, speak only that which edifies you got to learn not to be putting down people all the time. I don't think all the things we say against people, like in putting them down, well, he's goofy. I don't think we meant that malicious. I think a lot of time we goof off and say things we shouldn't say, not in some harmful way, but people have bad days. Some of them do, and they hear that on a bad day. I remember Phil, I used to talk to and goof off with a lot, approached me one time. The day after a sermon, he said, I heard what you said about me last night, and I'm thinking, what did I say? Because we're always going back and forth, you know, little vain janglings. It was one of those days when all that vein jangling caught up with you, and he took a little comment. I've got made the same comments, but he took it wrong and was angry, acted like he was. He didn't like it. But he said, you've got to learn to say what is good. I've been around people who was having a conflict with somebody else. A and B are in opposition to each other. And I've been minded in being around those people that a peacemaker is in good standing with God. I would make it a point to say with one or the other, A or B, yeah, you know, so-and-so said some good things about you. They did, yeah. They might have said, uh, he's tall. Well, they might have said, he, he eats nice or whatever. But I said, hey, yeah, they said good things about you. What did they say? Oh, I don't want to pump you up with it. I don't want you to take your, you know, you've got a Superman jersey or something. It, it was good. And <laughs> you can just say the things that are good. That's not wrong. Just... Again, it's back to being quiet. Speak peaceful things. Let no corrupt things that are, corrupt would be something vile, obscene, you know, little remarks about something sexual or something intellectual about how ignorant or dumb or just put all of that to rest. How much of trash talking is unnecessary? How much of this little stuff that we all knew that's funny, how often is that really not a good thing for us to do? God wants us to pay attention to what he's saying and say nice things to other people. Now, there's way too many verses to quote here in Proverbs about a wholesome tongue. A tongue is like a tree of life; It brings healing depending on what you say. You can do your part to make two opposing parties feel better about each other just by saying good things. Just by saying good and proper or right things. Let me read you something in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 31 and 32. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward or the stubborn tongue shall be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable because God has taught him but the mouth of the wicked ignores that and speaketh rowwardness and while we're already over here look at chapter 15 and verse 23 a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season how good it is have you ever been around somebody that only speaks nice things they don't chatter they don't just keep jawing and chatter but they say nice things Let me finish this with one more point. You hide the word in your heart. That's the fourth thing you do. You hide it. You not only learn it in point two, but you hide it. You make sure it is saturated, soaked in. Thy word, Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You hide that word deep down in your heart, and you keep it there. It becomes your treasure. Listen to this. You read the Word. You think the Word. You hear the Word. You memorize the Word. And you meditate on the Word. There's sermons on each one of those points. Memorizing the Word, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for you to practice memorizing the Word. How many books are there in the Bible? Don't say 88. That's keys on a piano. How many books are there about? 66. Route 66, remember that? How many are Old Testament books? 17 prophetic, 17 historical. The rest of them are poetic. Five are poetic. 39. What's the longest book in the Bible? Just practice these things. Psalms. What's the second longest book in the Bible? Jeremiah. I looked at them today, so I'm pretty up to date on all of this. So I said, What's the longest book in the Old Testament? Psalm. What's the shortest book? Obadiah. What's the longest book in the New Testament? Acts. What's the shortest book? The shortest book in the Bible is 3 John. How many apostles? This is pretty tough. What were the names of the 12 apostles? Whew. What were the names of the 12 tribes in Israel? You see, Zebulon, Issachar, Simeon, Gad, Dan, Judah, Levi. How many commandments are there? How many ten commandments are there? (laughs) How many of them pertain to your relationship to God? How many pertain to your relationship to man? Six. Romans 13 quotes the last five and says, all of this is summed up in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. Where's the middle of the Bible? Could you start there and go from this book, this book, this way, this way, this way, this way? On those days, you're just thinking, can you do the whole Bible one way, this way, one that way, one this way, one that way? Well, people say, I don't do that. It's not bad to do that. It's not wrong to familiarize or acquaint yourself with the Word and be knowledgeable about it. You might be able to pass it on to your children or your grandchildren. Your neighbor might think you're a theologian, if you can quote the Ten Commandments. They might have confidence and you'd want to talk to you. Man, he knows where Genesis is. (laughs) That's the fourth biggest book in the Bible. It's good. I do that all the time. Not all the time, but I run through these little drills. Name the 12 tribes of Israel. It's not like I'm going to be on a TV program. But I like to do that. At least my mind is not on foolish things. It's on the Word of God. And it's good for us to learn these things anyway. Again, you can tell them to your children or your grandchildren. And you can familiarize yourself with these things. And as Paul said in Colossians, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Not poorly, not meagerly, richly. You'll have to work at that. Fatal words or faith words. Which is in your heart? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to cause your spirit to illumine our hearts and minds that we might truly not only learn of Jesus, but to know the truth. Because you said the truth will make us free. When the Lord comes, I pray that this room will be full of God-inside-minded, word-inside-minded people who are not only familiar with your word, but are living vessels, walking around, speaking words of life. Thank you for the high privilege of telling about it. Thank you for the extreme privilege of teaching about it. May the seeds sown tonight bear fruit in the hearts and lives of these people. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.